This is a Locker Room production. Yeah, Gary, I do think this season is it's due to be interesting. Let's hear what the Frog Free have to say about this. There's only three wise men will listen to. There's only three wise men will listen to. It's the Frog Free. No, it's the Frog Free. There's only three wise men will listen to. Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Front Free with myself, Big Will, Coach Dan, and the prodigy himself, AJ. In this episode, we're continuing our conversation with Konstantin Ekner. This time, we're talking about Haaland and where he could possibly go next after Dortmund. Just sticking with Dortmund then, I think the biggest um, question this summer would be where would, uh, or where is Erlen Haaland going to go? Obviously, last week, um, his father and his agent held talks with Barcelona and then also Real Madrid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your sense of where Highland will um, eventually go, whether it's this summer or uh, next summer? Yeah, I mean, the, that's, it's still up in the air if he really will relieve this uh, this summer. I think there's kind of the... Uh, and I think Mino Raiola's agent actually has, has said that publicly. Yeah, he has... Um, that they might have made a mistake by going to Dortmund. That they, they were too careful... You know, because he was at, at Salzburg, he played, he played basically six months for six months for Salzburg. He was there twelve months, but the first six months he didn't really do much there. Um, and then he played six months for them, um, and then he he moved on to Dortmund because they they thought at the time that he wasn't really ready to go to the Premier League or or to La Liga and play for one of the really big clubs. And Dortmund would be a nice stepping stone, as as kind of Dortmund are now the kind of the the, the superstar makers. Uh, you know, with Sancho, Dembele, and 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 other players, Lewandowski, and so on. Um, so there was kind of their thinking, and now they they uh, reconsidered maybe that that position, and I think that I was too careful to going to Dortmund. Um, and the initial agreement was that uh, that Holland will stay for two and a half years. He signed in January 22, the uh, 2020, and he has a buyout clause in in summer 2022. And so the thinking was he will stay at Dortmund uh, for at least two and a half years, and then if he if really if he has is as good as Aaron fought or as many people fought at the time, then he, he can leave after two and a half years and Dortmund got, you know, um, uh, two and a half seasons out of him uh, and a lot of goals. And and now it looks like uh, Mino Raiola and even his his, his dad, Alfie Holland, um, you know, former Manchester City captain, and they try to force a move this summer. Um, but... I'm not sure if that will actually happen. It's kind of a you know negotiation game between the agent and Dortmund and you know, all these people involved, and they try to you know play this game. Um, I can I can see Holland staying for one more year, but then he will definitely leave uh, Dortmund, and the buyout clause comes into effect, and he he he's you know he's available for what is it 70 million euros? That's 60 mil, uh, 60 million pounds. So that's that's nothing for a player like him. Um, I mean, it's crazy to say that's nothing, but it's really nothing compared to, to other players. Um, and there are a lot of bidders. Um, and I guess the feeling is that there, there are two, two scenarios right now, I, I, I believe. There's one scenario that he, he actually might go to Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona are the club that have been uh, trying to get him, you know, get, trying to get in contact with him a lot. Uh, they, they, their interest, they have their interest shown more intensely than any, any other club. Um, so there is kind of the, the, the idea, maybe he goes to Barcelona, you know, they, they, they lose Messi very soon. Um, and the, Chris Mong is not really a factor. I mean, as good as he is, but he's not, he, he doesn't really have a long future there. So maybe he comes in, maybe he becomes a new star striker at, at Barcelona, even though he's a 
totally different player and and maybe that's not even a style but you know clubs also think uh, sometimes differently they look at the image and they look at what the player can can do for their reputation and perception um especially now with a new president at, at barca um and the other club that that's also favorite to to sign holland is manchester city because city uh, has the connection to his, his dad and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't underestimate that um alfie holland he he played in england for a couple of years he played for leeds uh erling is born in leeds um so and he, he was the captain of manchester city um in around 2000 as you know famously he then was injured um by Roy Keane, and he had to retire shortly thereafter um so and he has a, a really strong network in in england uh, meaning uh, meaning uh, erling stott at that um, he knows a lot of people there he knows a lot of people at city uh, he knows a lot of people in manchester um you know former teammates and and even norwegian people who are still living in in in, in that region of great britain so there's there's kind of the idea that maybe he goes there uh, just because his dad is so still so strongly connected to city um yeah maybe maybe that will be something we will see um and of course city city themselves i mean if they look at the price tag and think like all right we can get him for 60 million let's go (laughs) (laughs) for sure um chelsea i know chelsea have deep pockets do you think that could happen or do you think they're you know in the second tier of teams that he could possibly go to second tier um it's uh i want to put i think the perception of of chelsea is like okay great club uh, have a have a rich owner of course a famous owner um but not the kind of uh, reputation internationally that that some of these other clubs uh, offer especially the the two spanish clubs i meant or the the spanish club uh barcelona and also real madrid who talks with raiola and alfie holland uh they are they have a much bigger reputation um, and also Chelsea, they haven't won that much in recent years. Of course, I mean Europa League, yes, but you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's it's not like they have won a lot, and and it's still up in the air how strong they are if they can really challenge for the Premier League title, if they can really challenge, or maybe they will be in the Champions League final. Who knows? But yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I could see City might not have the biggest reputation of all the clubs, but uh, they have a reputation because of just how much money they have and and how they operate and you know their coach and stuff like that and there's also uh, as i said that uh, the connection with his dad um and it might even be a nice story you know seeing like because he because erling holland he looks really like his dad uh <laughs> just you know big big broad blonde norwegian guy of course his dad played as a holding midfielder and was a more of a hot-nosed holding midfielder and you know old school 90 1990s player uh you know to- thomas carvison and and the, and the likes <laughs> and then there was also alfie holland um and and of course erling is is different but you know sometimes he he also acts like a like a central midfielder um <laughs> kind of his demeanor is, is is very similar to his dad so i i can i can really see uh him going there just because of the family connection and because of, of course city is not the, the, the club they were in 2000 totally different club uh and and with the ambitions to actually win titles and you know imagine they win the champions league this year or next year and then uh, erling has to choose a club and then you know it might, might make things even easier for him to just say all right i go to the defending reigning and defending champions league winners um aj and coach where do you think obviously there's going to be speculation about where he would go where do you think he should go wow what a question that is mm. where should he go because we live in England and I think the Premier League is the best league in the world, I think he should come to the Premier League. Um, if he wants to win things, I think he's got to be Manchester City. I think it'll be great for his development as a player. 
I'd love to see Pep work with him and see how Pep can, you know, transform his game and take it to another level, which I believe he can do. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see him here. And, you know, in terms of, you know, his footballing um, journey so far, you know, he's destined to end up at a top club. And I think he needs to play in the best league in the world. And arguably for me, personally, that's the Premier League. So I'd love to see him here. I'd love to see him at City. I'd love to see him more anywhere else at Arsenal, because obviously you guys know I'm an Arsenal fan, but that's probably categorically impossible. Um, so, you know, <laughs> um, I don't see how he'd fit in at Barcelona um, in the style of how they play. Um, because of just if he went to Barcelona, I think it'd be like when Ibra was at Barcelona. Does that, do you see the comparison, how I'm trying to make that comparison? They're both Mavericks and the stature. Um, but yeah, um, I can't, Real Madrid, if he goes to Real Madrid, the bottom line of it is, is he's not going to, he's not, I don't know, Real Madrid probably have to play two up front because there's no way he's going to start over Karim Benzema, especially after the form that Benzema has been in and he's been Real's main man for, you know, since Ronaldo left, if I can say that. So for me, it's Manchester City. I mean, you know, Aguero's leaving, as we know. He'll fit, I think it's Manchester City. I'd love to see him at City. But I wouldn't mind seeing him at a club like Real Madrid because I think, I think, yeah, it'd be kind of like the Galacticos in terms of them, you know, bringing in a huge signing and and they need a goal scorer. Benzema, Benzema can't keep on doing it by himself. So yeah, I don't know what coach thinks. I know coach probably say something outrageous like Fulham, but let's see what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we stay in the Premier League, AJ, why not? We have to be ambitious. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Shed Khan has has the money to, to sign him at least. You know? <laughs> he has, he has, yeah. he has Constantine. You're right, but yeah, then... he's, a bi- he's a billionaire. Of course, he has the money to sign Erling Haaland. Yeah, he he lost about he 60, 60 million. That's nothing. No, he, ju- he just sells an, an, another car bumper or something. <laughs> <laughs> but then Constantine, Erling Haaland's gonna go from having Jude Bellingham or potentially having, you know. Um, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne behind him to having um, Hubert, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and, and, you know, and being well, coached by Scott Parker, you know? That, that, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're, yeah, you're, so. you're selling big here. You're selling big, of course. Uh, I mean, but, but you also, you also we'll, we'll play in, in, in a nice stadium. So there's, there's that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a Craven Cottage is a very homely and closing stadium. It will definitely feel the presence of the fans. I mean, you know, let's 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 get it going. Erlen Highland to, to Craven Cottage. <laughs> I'm telling you. It, listen, man, just, even if you have to sell the cottage to buy him, I'm for it. Um, oh, but, nah. Oh, wow. But I have to say, man, listen, guys, I'm very disappointed in Borussia Dortmund. I have to say this. Because it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. Because, look, you know, Constantine just mentioned, right, they're in, they're in a dilemma right now. They've got to let him go this year because if they let him go, they'll get more money for him. If not, last next year, like Constantine just said, he goes for, what, 60 million, 70 million, depending on which part of, the, the, which part of Europe you're in, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, they're in a situation right now. They want him to leave now. Do you see what I mean? But then again, I just find that disappointing because where do they lie mentality-wise? What, what is the ambition? Because you can't keep letting these players go what is he he's still very young maybe 20 21 22 he's still got years ahead of him why why not you know go go and build a proper team around him and see what you can do with him but listen it just it just it confuses me because i thought the reason why they let julian firth go because they thought they were title contenders but clearly by what they're doing right now they're nowhere near that you can't be letting your best player go just like that 
it seems that that's what's going to happen. And if it's going to happen in the same agreement with AJ, I would want to see him in the Premier League. I think the game will suit him brilliantly. And to be fair, that it's not been mentioned, but the only manager, yeah, the only manager that will take his game to the next level is Jurgen Koch. So he's, we, we, we've got to see him in Liverpool colours. He's the only one that will take his game to the next level, I'm telling you. But the brand of football and everything like that, I think he'll get him to a different level. You know, Pep will take him to a different level as well, though. No, so, man, not like Jurgen. Not like Jurgen. No way. No way. Are you saying this guy's a joker? <laughs> this guy's a joker. Jurgen needs to work on getting Sadio Mane back up to the level he was at before and Trent Alexander Arnold before he can think about Erlen Haaland. But, you know, we're not talking about that right now. I think, <laughs> I think if any manager in the world can do it, and I think Jurgen Kopp could take Haaland to another level. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think Pep is the one to, to get the best out of this young man just the, the refine his whole overall play, because we know he's a killer in front of goal. But that overall play, that, you know, I think I think it could be it could be Pep. Pep, Pep should, it should be Pep anyway. Um, some may argue, you know, other people may argue Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because of course United will probably have, will probably be sniffing around Haaland, you know. We know that they need a goal scorer. So someone could say Solskjaer. Someone could say Mourinho. Personally, I'm saying Pep. Well, AJ, Pep, Pep should concentrate on getting um, Gabriel Jesus to score goals for us before Haaland, mate. Jesus has been scoring goals. He's just not a finisher like Aguero or Haaland. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, Constantine, how much does it say about the state of Italian football that we're really not here, hearing Haaland being linked with any club in Italy? Well, I mean, they, they, they don't pay the wages. Just, just, just <laughs> it's clear cut. Um, uh, I mean, look at the pay structure. Look at the wage structure they have for for they have had for many years now. Uh, if you look back, even at the at, at Juventus' best years, uh, pre of course Cristiano. Cristiano is a different is a very different case, but uh, and is, is is an exception. But if you look at uh, pre Ronaldo and uh, Juventus' pay structure, they had they had key players uh, got I think three or four million a year. Which is, uh, of course, after taxes, but still, uh, yeah. which is which is nothing. Uh, let's let's be honest; it's really nothing. Um, so they have to operate on a different kind of model. Um, as I said, like Cristiano is an exception. They wanted to make a big deal, and and Juventus, you know, they are fiat backed. Um, they have uh, Andrea Agnelli, uh, who is, of course, one of the richest Italians, or his family's, you know, one of the richest families in in, in southern Europe. So they have kind of different. They have they have some some. Um, options to to fund one big transfer but usually they are more out for players that are underrated or something um and they are not after players that are already established and, and cost huge money um they make maybe one or two of these transfers um or they have like a situation like in internationale uh, where they have a um a company that that backs them and, and gives them a lot of money but even they are like I mean, if you follow that, uh, Internationale, they, they are owned by Suning Holding Group, a Chinese holding group. Uh, we, we, we try to sell them right now because they have to leave football uh, because of different, uh, because of a situation in China uh, that, that, uh, that investors that are right now in Europe are basically forced to go out to leave football. That will also affect the Premier League, by the way, uh, because of the clubs that are owned by Chinese companies or Chinese uh, investors. Um, I think four or so. So, um, I think they. Uh, I, I was recently asked about uh, European football, and and like usually you got what you have. Like if you look at the at the decade in, in European football, you have a couple of clubs that are uh, kind of standing for this. You know, they are representing this decade. You got AC Milan. You know, the the, the uh, in the the two thousands, AC yeah. Milan was one of the clubs. 
and even Manchester Manchester United, AC Milan, were a big two clubs maybe. And then Barcelona, you know, in the in the two thousand in the late two thousand two thousand tens, Real Madrid in the two thousand tens, Bayern Munich. Um, so uh, and I was asked about who are the clubs, you know, what are the who are the clubs that they will um, deter, you know kind of shape this new decade. Mm-hmm. And I still think like one of the Italian clubs might be there, uh, not because they have the money. Uh, they have some money and, and they are still capable of signing players and, and all of that. But I think what the Italian clubs can uh, have to do, and that might even be an advantage to, uh, for some of them is they have to, um, they, they have to try to find good players for not as much money as like the, the big Spanish clubs, Bayern Munich, PSG and the English clubs. So they have to be smart on the transfer market and they have, and, and I think that, in, in a way, it can it can also work in your favor, you know, that you are not only after the really big, big players, but you are also after some of the players that are underrated or some of the players you can develop into something better. Um, and I think that really can help them and can bring some something back to Italian football, uh, but from a different point of view, basically. They, they have to be like the FC Porto of the 2000s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a club, uh, or let's say Milan or Juventus, I don't know uh, which club will actually be uh, on top at, at the end, but they might try to do something. And, and especially AC Milan, they are on, on the way to doing something like that. They have really improved their scouting department. They are, uh, they have brought in uh, Ivan Gesidis, who was an Arsenal, of course, yeah. uh, for a while. They've brought in him, him to, to uh, change the culture and change the, the management structures. Um, they also brought in, I uh, have uh, Geoffrey Moncada, uh, who was the head, head of scouting at AS Monaco. Very, I think he's 33 years old, one of the best scouts uh, and recruiters in the world. And they have brought him, him in as the head of scouting. So I think they have key players in the back room. And now they try to figure out how to um, make everything work. And um, I mean, Monka Dafo is a really interesting, really interesting person, uh, personality. I think he was, uh, he was uh, called uh, 007, like James Bond, because he's yeah. usually hiding somewhere. You know, he's, he's, he's somewhere he's really secretive, but he finds like players uh, no one else finds uh, who are actually capable of playing at the highest level. So um, I think they have, uh, some of these clubs really have to have the right people in place. Um, and now they have to just, you know, uh, go ahead and and uh, find the right players and and put a great team together. And I think even the Milano clubs, uh, Internazionale and AC, are actually uh, better suited for that right now because Juventus are still working with the with the outdated structure they have. That's why they are struggling right now. Uh, yeah, but coming back to the question, they just have they don't have the money to sign Erling Holland. And 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 I also think Mino Raiola. <laughs> I mean, he just gave away uh, Matthijs De Ligt, uh, who, who left Ajax and and he went to Juventus. And they re- he hasn't really had success there. So actually, what what Raiola did was with Delict was Delict also had contact with Barcelona, but Raiola thought Raiola, being Italian um, mm. or Dutch Italian, um, thought maybe I move him to Juventus, that Juventus can act as a stepping stone for Delict, him becoming one of the best center halves in the world, and then he can move on to Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester United or something like that. Um, so he he, he visited he viewed Juventus as a stepping stone. Now he's mad at Juventus because he, he the league doesn't play a lot. Um, so you know that also didn't work out for for Raiola. And Raiola also hates the Italian clubs because because he's he's someone who left Italy to move to the Netherlands. Um, so it's it's interesting how how uh, it, Italian football right now is viewed. But if Raiola views Juventus as a stepping stone for his 
is a good center off, but not a not an Erling Holland level type of player. Then I I mean none of these Italian clubs even the conversation of getting Holland because like Raiola looks at them and like and of course not. <laughs> I mean we are already at Dortmund. We don't have to uh, you know move him to Internazionale or something. <laughs> for sure. Well, I just I just I just think he's not the age yet. They're waiting for him to be 35 <laughs> or 37 or something at that ripe yeah. age, you know, when he's in his Honestly. prime. Honestly. <laughs> like, giving him two years to maximize everything. <laughs> oh, That's my game. <laughs> for sure. Um, just moving gears to um, the German national team then, Constantine. Um, what chances do you give them in the upcoming Euros? Well, I mean, they're in a killer group. Uh, so they might go out after the group stage. Uh, they, they play, especially the schedule is kind of hard on them. They they play, I think, first against France and then against Portugal. So, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe first against Portugal and then against France. But their first two matches are against France and Portugal. That's for sure. Um, so worst case scenario, they lose both and then they're out. Um, so I guess they have to beat Portugal at least. Um, I mean, Fran- beating France would be right now at this point in time would be um yeah a miracle so um P- portugal they are beatable i guess uh, you know aging aging team ronaldo not being as strong as he was um other players also have andre gomez and, and other players are not you know not uh, at, at the peak of their of their doing so um i guess there is a chance to beat portugal but uh, i mean uh, germany are struggling a lot so um and then they have hungary hungary should be beaten um Still, uh, it's it's kind of a hard group, but if they get through, I guess they can get to the quarterfinals or something. But uh, I don't expect them to be to be anywhere near the uh, or nowhere near the, the final. So um, just just how it is right now. I, I guess there there are a couple of factors there. You got you got Joachim Löw, who is not um, who might not be the right coach anymore. But you know uh, he, he will leave after the after the European Championship and not before. So I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You have to deal with him. He's he's still there. Um, so, but but he, he he should leave. He should leave. Uh, he should he should uh, you know hand over to someone more capable uh, in this at this point. Um, so, and the team itself, uh, I guess there's a lot of talent there, uh, especially in in the tagging department. Um, but also you got players like Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, who are struggling at Chelsea. So um, then you got the Bayern players, Lewis and Neon Siash Knappi. They 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 should do something, but you need to get them into positions you know you have to you know have to assist them and uh in, in recent matches that wasn't really the case uh and, and especially against strong teams you usually just germany played long balls which is kind of uncharacteristic for them um so center midfield so on paper it's a strong team at least midfield and attack uh, are, are strong parts of a team uh but you usually don't see that and and the defense is um not as as strong as as their previous German defenses, um, and there's still the talk, and uh, that, uh, in my opinion, they will also decide whether Germany might actually do something successful at the, at the Euros. And there's still the talk about Thomas Müller and Mats Hummels uh, coming back to the German national team. So Löw hasn't really committed to anything. He's he's just he's still thinking about it. Constantine, you know, whack him low. Not having more on your squad that is a crime. That is a crime. That is a crime because he still has so much to offer, not just in terms of how he plays, but as an individual who's experienced at tournaments, he's won great things. He brings that winning mentality. He brings that experience. He brings that ability to 
bring players together. You know, you see him when he scores for Bayern, he brings all the players together. He's a leader on and off the pitch. Those are the type of characters you need in this German team because this German team right now is relatively very young. You know, you've got the likes of Havertz, who's young. You know, Werner is, what, 24, I believe? Relatively still young, you know. You know, so there's loads of young players in this team that need leadership. They need they need someone who can join them together. Like you mentioned about Hummels, he's not the greatest of defender, but he's a leader. He's experienced. He can pull people in. You know, that's what that German team needs because this golden generation, I, I want to call it, will not amount to anything if they don't have these leaders in their midst. Yeah, this is their golden generation, as in the golden generation, as in that are coming through now. <laughs> this is bronze generation, I have to say, no. man. You <laughs> said this is a bronze generation, maybe the silver generation, you know, until they start putting things together, the silver generation. But there's so much potential in this, in this German, these young Germans who are now playing for Germany. You know, there's so much potential there. Can they fulfill it? I don't know. Uh, it's a question we'll we'll come to we'll come to see it be answered by by what we see in the Euros, but let's not write them off to say they won't get out of the group. Come on, coach. It's a tough. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they come out of the group, I think it's a great achievement. But look, all right, let me let me be quiet. Let's just give them let's just give them the chance because they are Germany after all. You know, they could get to the tournament and be a complete different outfit. But as I see things now. Getting out of the group is an overachievement. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far that they are the worst generation uh, because when I grew up, when I was very little, but still, um, I watched Germany uh, in 2000 at the Euros uh, when they also go, uh, went out after the group stage. They also lost against Portugal, for instance, and I think against England uh, and, and, and Romania. So it was a shit show. Um, so and and that was the worst generation because they weren't they were unsuccessful <laughs> and they also played bad football. So right now I think like they, they're, they are at least that the German team can at least be aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know at least there's something there. But that that team back then that you know they 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 didn't know how to play football and they also didn't win anything. So I mean that was that was the worst time. Although in typical German Germany fashion day, then turned things around and got, got to the World Cup final in 2002. So there you go. Well, also uh, not really great football, but you know, kind of the, the German winning mentality uh, as, as, as the people say. Um, so, but yeah, look uh, to the listeners, look up the, the Euros in 2000, look up the, the matches. That was, that was bad, bad. And even they had a couple of good players like Oliver Kahn was, was a goalkeeper at the time and so on. But uh, overall, the team was really, really bad. Um, so, I think one one last thing I wanted to point out is with the and I think our football association might be the same. Uh, I mean, of course, I follow especially uh, Germany, Italy, and and, and England, um, and Central Europe. So, um, but the German football association is kind of works kind of a, a national government in a way. Uh, and what I mean with that is like they are very slow to um, sack people. They're very slow to reform things. Uh, I mean, you guys know it from 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 number ten in in, in the UK, and uh, other people know it from from their national governments how, how usually things work. You know that like internally it takes a long time to to uh, change things. And with the German FA, it's kind of the same. They have like kind of this this bureaucracy that that's just working. And if if the German national team goes out after the group stage or if they win the European Championship, there's not really it doesn't really make a difference to the FA because the FA makes money no matter what. Um, they are successful in their own rights because they have six million members, and I think they are the largest 
um, um, you know, national associa uh, sports association in the world or something like that because of the, of the number of members they have. Um, so they, they are, you know, they, they don't have to sack Joachim Löw or something. And they, after the 2018 World Cup, when, they, when Germany was so bad, they decided against sacking Joachim Löw because Joachim Löw was their guy and, you know, he was comfortable to working with. It was easy, you know, he was easy to work with. He, he didn't say anything uh, bad to anyone at the German FA. You know, he didn't oppose anything and he was kind of their guy. So uh, that's why they said, like, oh, well, we, we just stick to our guy and, and don't change anything. So, um, and, you know, other nations, our our FAs, they would have fired his his rear side, uh, you know, a day after the tournament or something. But uh, with, with Germany, it's, it's kind of different. Uh, there has been a way for, for a while. It's also, I mentioned it early on in this episode. I, I, we talked about Hansi Flick. When Hansi Flick left the German FA, when he was the sporting director, that was his, his one point of criticism was that he couldn't get anything done because things were moving so slowly at the German FA. So if he goes back to become, or if he goes back to the German FA and becomes the national coach, he has to know that things <laughs> work very slowly there, and he has to deal with that then. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, um, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Front Fruit. Myself, Big Will coach down the prodigy himself AJ and a special thank you to our guest Konstantin Ekner you can read his work on the Times and also the BBC it's been a pleasure having you on our show and we'll be back again next week for another episode so see you next time